football. You love it. I love it. Steve loves it. This time around, we figured we would do a review of baseball movies. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a movie that is incredibly old, maybe moldy, perhaps unknown, probably very well known, usually well known. I mean, what's the point of doing an unknown old movie? I mean, if we're going to try to send people out to go find something that they wouldn't even be able to find in Netflix or in a uh, bargain uh, bin VHS tape archive in a That's Salvation not what the Army. internet is for. <laughs> we take old movies and we uh, review it fresh, as if it was released now. But it's not. It's kind of pointless, really. <laughs> we talk about movies you've already seen, so we're not telling you anything new. Right. And there's really no reason for anybody ever to hear this. Unless you're one of those youngsters who's never heard of or seen this movie or heard of the movie but have never actually watched it. And so, hey, we, I just gave us our purpose back. Wow. I love oh, intros to podcasts. Thank God. <laughs> But seeing that um, baseball season has started and Steve and I are both baseball fans, we thought we'd bore our audience with a baseball movie, right? There's so many to choose from. There's The Natural. Um, there's, uh, what else? Field of Dreams. Uh, Bull Durham. Um, Pride of the Yankees. Oh, that's depressing. I don't want to do Pride of the Yankees. The Babe Ruth story? The Babe Ruth story? That one's really realistic and accurate. Um yes. There's just tons and tons of them out there, but uh, when I was thinking about it, I couldn't think of a baseball movie that wasn't treacly and sweet and just, you know, just this kind of love letter to baseball. Because while I love baseball, I never really see very realistic portrayals of baseball on the screen. They always, you know, make it seem mythical and grandiose, and I wanted something real. So we're going to review The Bad News Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the most realistic baseball movies ever made, it must be yeah. said. Definitely, if you have ever played Little League. Did you play Little League, Steve? I did not, no. Okay, I did, and I played Little League in the 70s. So, uh... You're actually in this movie, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Tanner. I'm the walking trigger alert (laughs) of Tanner in this movie. Um, a little... (laughs) A little backstory on The Bad News Bears. It came out in 1975. It was a surprise hit. It was directed by uh, Michael Ritchie, who had made The Candidate, which was an excellent movie. And if you haven't seen The Candidate, go watch that. And boy, that movie is so dissimilar from this one. It's surprising that that person made both movies. And it was uh, written by Bill Lancaster, um, whose only other notable uh, writing credit was The Thing, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, John Carpenter's The thing. Um, it stars Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, Chris Barnes, Vic Morrow, uh, Jackie Earl Haley in, I think, his very first screen appearance, and uh, Joyce Van Patten. And uh, let's talk about the plot a little bit before we review it. And you can chime in whenever you want, Steve, in regards you, to this. Cause you I'm better bet your ass I will. Okay, so uh, Walter <laughs> Matthau plays... Um, Buttermaker. However, they do refer to him by several different names throughout the course of the film. <laughs> Boilermaker. Boilermaker. Butterworth, I think he's called at one point. And I don't know if that was intentional or if there were rewrites on the script. I think it was intentional just to indicate that he is such, that other people consider him such a non-person that they don't bother to uh, remember his name. Uh, but Walter Matthau plays an ex-minor league player who is a pool cleaner and an alcoholic. I've heard some descriptions of this movie where he, they, they call him beer swilling. No, he is an alcoholic. The very first shot of him is him, what, pouring, what is he pouring? Whiskey he, he into a beer. He pours whiskey into a beer can, yeah. <laughs> 
But he has been hired by a city councilman who has sued a local little league team um, to allow them to have a team where they're where kids who don't have as much athletic ability to play. And he's hired a, a buttermaker to coach this team of misfits and losers. Um, this includes uh, what we would consider, I guess, at this point, a kind of roster of what we'd call stereotypical kids' roles. You have the fat yeah. one, the nerdy one, the loudmouth bully, the the outsider, you know. Uh, but in truth, I think this is maybe the very first film where this appeared and then the Hollywood industry said, yeah, we're just going to keep reusing these tropes over and over and over again. Um, irregardless, <laughs> um, he gets this team. He puts the bare minimum amount of effort into getting this team up and running. He manages to get them uniforms by uh, getting a sponsor for the Little League team because all the other Little League teams have like Denny's and <laughs> I can't remember who the other teams were. Pizza uh, Hut. Pizza Hut. And they have Chico's Bail Bonds. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Which is one of the best jokes in the movie. I it is how, one I of the best the jokes. I love the way that's revealed. Oh, and by the way, a little trivia, Chico's Bales Bonds is a real business. It was a real business that they put <laughs> on the back of their jerseys. Um, but he gets them out there. He barely teaches them anything. Um, mostly he just kind of uh, has them clean pools for him while he regales them with the one thing that he did, notable thing that he did when he was in the minor leagues. He doesn't really coach them. At one point, he gets so drunk that he collapses on the little league field <laughs> while trying to pitch. So by no surprise at all, they have their very first game, this big game in which they uh, never make it out of the uh, first inning. They never get an at-bat. So they lose 26 to nothing. The team is a disaster. And they are kind of written off to the point in which the manager of the Yankees tells him, just throw in the towel. No one ever wanted them there in the first place. The only reason they're there is because of the lawsuit. You're all a bunch of losers. Well, Buttermaker takes this a little personally, and he decides he's going to bring in a ringer, which is the daughter of an ex-girlfriend, who uh, played by Tatum O'Neill, who is making a living, I guess, as a (laughs) 12-year-old selling maps to the stars by herself um, on the side of the road. And at first she says no, um, but then she says yes. The reason why he wants her is because he taught her how to pitch, and apparently she is a great pitcher. She comes on to the team um, to some apprehension to the other boys on the team, but, I mean, it, it only lasts for a little bit till they see her pitch. And then she gets on the team, and they almost win a game, I think. <laughs> And then, oh, then they're going to get the, uh, the the best athlete at their middle school to join. But he's a he's a rebel. He drives a Harley Harley Davidson, and he smokes, and he's I think a loan shark of some sort. <laughs> he's pretty much the coolest kid in the world. Yeah, except he's a loner and he's antisocial. But he agrees to join the team if um, Tatum O'Neill goes out on a date with him to a Rolling Stones concert. So yes, a 13 year old and 12 year old are going to go unattended to a Rolling Stones concert so that he will play on the team. He and even joins... Walter Matthau the drunk has a problem with that. Yeah, even he, has, he while drinking in his car. In his car, where he's about to drive drunk, presumably, he objects to the date. But uh, once he gets on the team, you know, they start forming bonds he really enjoys playing um you know there's uh there's uh 
kind of a camaraderie, camaraderie being built up. However, uh, Buttermaker is starting to take winning a little bit too seriously, just like the other coach, the other most hated coach of the Yankees. He takes his, his uh, winning far too seriously, and so does he. But it does work. The Bears are in the, I guess, pennant? Was that what it was? It was yeah. like the final... Like, for league championship. They're in the final game, and it's cutthroat. Tan, uh, the, I can't remember what the name of the other coach is. I, uh, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Oh, well. Vic Morrow. How's that? Yeah. Vic mustache Morrow. Mustache man. Mustache man. <laughs> man who exe- excels at playing an asshole. Yeah. Um, has one of the team players slide into home and spike Tatum O'Neal, and that starts a fight between the two of them, and now a Buttermaker is going to do anything to make sure they win the game um, uh, by, uh, what else does he do? Oh, he's making Tatum O'Neal pitch while her arm is hurt. He He's having um, the nerdy guy get beamed by balls on purpose so he can get on base. <laughs> he's turned into a monster. Well... Then a horrible thing happens in which um, the son of the opposing team almost hits the fat kid with a uh, with a ball on purpose, and he storms out onto the mound and slaps his son in front of everyone. And in revenge, the son uh, lobs an easy ball that grounds to him. He picks up the ball and he holds it for an inside the park home run uh, to. Uh, as kind of a rebellion against his father. And then he leaves the baseball field with his mother, and Buttermaker realizes that he's turned into the same kind of monster that the other coach was. And so then he takes Tatum O'Neill out to uh, rest her arm so that she doesn't permanently injure herself. (laughs) And... And then he takes some of the bench warmers and he puts them out and taking out some of their best players and puts them on the bench so that everyone gets a chance to play. Um, they start to lose the game horribly, but oh no, we've got to, it's a baseball game. We have to have the near, we have to have things really close at the end. And it does happen. <laughs> they get three runs and then the last run is coming in and it comes to a tag out at home plate and the Bears lose. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> And the Bears are a little bit upset. And the team comes out to probably give the most disingenuous congratulations to the Bears by saying, we guys still think you're a terrible team, but you got guts. And they give them this tiny little dinky second place trophy and the Bears, well, oh, they've been disheartened and all this other stuff. But, nope. The walking uh, trigger warning that is Tanner, the racist loudmouth, <laughs> tells them to shove their award up their ass. They then throw the award at them and tell them, just wait until next year. They all celebrate with beer. Yeah. <laughs> Underage drinking for the win. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Even the parents are happy and everyone everyone is happy and, and Buttermaker is happy and everything's good. There's a lot there that I did not put in there on purpose because I'm sure that we'll discuss it during the actual review. Um, and I know that there's stuff that I miss. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the Bad News Bears? <laughs> you know, I really, really like it. And it had been a long time since I watched it. Uh, I just mm-hmm. watched it uh, yesterday to, to prepare for this. And I had forgotten so much about it. And I think I was relatively young the last time I watched it anyway. So this it was almost like watching it for the first time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's such a great movie in so many different ways. I mean, 
we we mentioned already how it's sort of in many ways it's the most realistic baseball movie ever made yeah and one of the reasons i think that you can say that about it is that it's not really about baseball i mean Uh it could be about any that you you could with a little bit of rewriting make it about any other sport uh because the point isn't baseball the point is competition and the effect that the competition has on the coach and on the kids um but yet at the same time it's attitude toward baseball is so down to earth and so realistic and i mean i i'm a baseball fan i i i could watch the natural pretty much any time and love it right. I, I i'm i'm a total sucker for the kind of baseball movies that uh, that that non-baseball fans just find insufferable where it's yeah. all about the 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 you know the mythical lyrical poetic sort of view of you know the the the, the waxy the boys nos- of summer the you yeah know, the nostalgic stuff. you know uh uh you know hazy sort of halcyon days of the 50s and the 60s where everybody played played ball and it was the national pastime and i i could i could get drunk on that stuff yeah. uh but a movie like this which is not that at all no. is is so it's just so much fun you know because it's 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 almost irreverent towards it um and it uses it to make even though it's not a message movie and it's not heavy-handed at all it does use it to make a point about sort of how toxic competition can be yeah. when when you're when when it's focused on a group of kids who are really just there because they want to have a good time. Yeah, and you know? some of those kids don't even really want to be there at first. They yeah. kind of have all acknowledged that they're they're not they were never picked that they're only there because of a lawsuit. Really. Yeah. And um you know, all of them have kind of accepted this kind of um role as be you know their roles as being the losers as being the ones that are never you know they get picked last in 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 sports and uh you know one lupus is a uh near non-verbal um i wouldn't call him a nerd per se he's that he's that introverted kid that you yeah. had in, in grade school who would never talk and everyone thought he was kind of weird um this movie would not have worked if um, uh, these kids were, you know, there was a lot of, there were some people who were really upset with, and I'll start with the, the one that most people were upset about and would probably cause people to be upset about now, which is Tanner. Yeah. Uh, Tanner is a small, blonde, blue-eyed, white kid who in one <laughs> sentence manages to offend everyone on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. By Even using our... every derogatory term for all of the key groups that you would expect. I'm not going to repeat what he said. No. I but it... Even Archie Bunker would have turned red. <laughs> he, would... he would have said, someone shut that kid up. And <laughs> what did that kid say this now? <laughs> but that the fact is, is that it is... Um, if you watch the movie now, you're going to go, oh, well, these are, these are you know, the stereotypical kids that you see in all movies now. Well, in 1975, they weren't. You know, kids were portrayed usually as relatively perfect, maybe a little smart-alecky, but um, as far as out-and-out flaws, not, not really. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, kids were sanitized, and they've been re-sanitized again in movies now. Yeah. They've kind of, you know... Uh, these kids are n- not pl- 
pleasant to <laughs> necessarily to be around. Some of them are, are, are nice. Like Ogilvy is the baseball, the quote unquote baseball nerd. Yeah, he's you know, the Bill he James knows, of the team. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he knows all the stats, all the figures, all the other stuff, but he can't play. He's not a he's not a strong player. Um, but it, it's Tanner that everyone remembers because he is so um, offensive. Let's just mm-hmm. say that he is very <laughs> offensive. There, I, I love the line. Or after they lost twenty six to uh, nothing, they all had to go back to school and they were all and this is also a highlight this also um, is a learning moment for the Mathau character because Mathau's not investing any importance into this at all until he starts to realize that these kids have lives outside of baseball and that it that it has uh, uh, impacts in their life outside of baseball because they all come back and they all want to quit because yeah. they've been uh, teased mercilessly at school and Tanner has cuts and bruises all over his face and he's like what happened what, what happened to Tanner and he said oh he got he uh, uh, got in a fight in the seventh grade, uh, and who was he fighting? The seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> but they do go out of their way to make these kids human and to give these kids um, smaller arcs, you know, to make them more than just the the stereotypical, you know, fat kid, nerdy kid, yeah. belligerent kid. And whatever. and actually, uh, Lupus's arc is really the closest thing to like uh, a triumphant payoff that the movie gives you because the yeah. team the team loses you think in most sports movies the the obvious ending is the team the the underdogs mm-hmm. come from behind and win and in this movie that doesn't happen but lupus gets a couple of moments right at the end that feel well, lupus like lupus is the one that says wait until next year I think yeah yeah and and, and 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 he makes that catch yeah uh, so he gets these two little moments of sort of personal triumph, and that's that's really the 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 closest to sort of a traditional kind of a catharsis that that, that the movie gives you. Because uh, the other the other I mean, there are some other like feel good moments at the end when, you know, they throw the trophy and, you know, and Lupus says wait till next year. And it's it, it becomes obvious that the Bears don't really like they're they're mad that they didn't win, but they had a good time and it hasn't yeah. like completely ruined their day. And, and they're drinking beer and they're drinking beer and their parents don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool, you know, but it's more of a non-traditional kind of happy ending as opposed to Lupus, like, you know, his is more the closest they give you to sort of, ah, see, the underdog came back from behind and, well, and won I think the day. Well, I think that if they had won, it would have betrayed the film. Oh, definitely. I think it would have betrayed the film uh, terribly. And um, it would have um, undercut the whole point of the film, which was this isn't about winning stuff. This is about having fun and playing a game and, and um, you know, proving things to yourself, not necessarily proving things to a wider group. If they had won the game at the end of the movie, it would have lost a whole lot of impact. You know what I mean? It would be like, oh, well, you see, anyone can do it if they had just have heart and pluck. And it's yeah. like, no, that's not. The Yankees were obvious. They've been training their asses off. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the coach is an asshole, but, you know, that's how things happen in real life. It's how you deal with loss, you know, with with not winning. That is the more important thing here. And that's what the Walter Matthau character is dealing with, because he is a alcoholic loser. You know, he has screwed up relationships. He screwed up a potential career in baseball. He's he he drives around the majority of the film in a car with a broken windshield. (laughs) And with cleaning supplies hanging out of the back of a trunk that has no hood. (laughs) So... Uh, the whole, you know, you could take a look at it in a broader perspective that the Walter Matthau character is a loser, but it's how you deal with that loss and come back from it. Because it, it, it's a story about him as well, you know. Yeah, well, he, I mean, and 
it, it goes to show how important casting is and how important <laughs> it is yeah. and how important it is when you have a strong cast like this movie has mm-hmm. for the other elements of the filmmaking to kind of have enough faith to hang back a little bit and let the actors do a lot of the work because especially late in the film there are those moments of, of sort of realization for the Mathau character, but they're not underlined. They're not something that we're beaten over the head with. In fact, I don't even know if you get like, because you know the the big obvious moment is when the the Yankees coach hits the hits his son, and yeah. everything kind of goes quiet for a second. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we don't get like a really like obvious close up reaction shot from Mathau. Like you just see him sort of standing behind his players, just sort of looking on. Yeah. There's not like that moment of you know where he realizes, oh my god, what have I become? You know, it's yeah, not it's no, not melodramatic like, like that. that. He, we, he they allow the character to work through it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Without. There's not. There are lots of tricks that they they use in movies, especially now today, because they love clobbering people over the head because they think we're too stupid to get stuff. Yeah. That um, you know, they'll do a pan in and then a look around, and you know, maybe there will be a couple of metaphors there and with <laughs> arrows pointing at it to go, huh? Look, this is he's important. Having, he's having a breakthrough. <laughs> And and I have to also say that this movie works while it is ostensibly a comedy. There are a couple of truly chilling um, dramatic scenes in this movie that um, I don't think that anyone has the real guts to put would put up in a film of this nature now. And the one that I'm thinking of specifically is um, it's just kind of established that um, the Buttermaker character and Tatum O'Neill's character were very close. Yeah, he and Amanda were very close while he was dating um, her mother, and then he broke up and he kind of disappeared. He just, you know, left them both. And as they are now on the team, and she agrees to play on the team so long as he plays for, pays for ballet lessons. <laughs> and uh, But it starts to become apparent that she um, likes him very much and wants to spend more time with him in more of a parental kind of uh, relationship. And she is talking to him about um, what they'll do after, you know, some stuff that they, she wants to do, like go have dinner with her and her mom or go ice skating or anything. And, and, and Mathau is just shooting her down left and right. Literally, we're watching him break this girl's heart. Yeah. Um, and he knows what she's angling for. He's not a dumb character. She wants more, more from him than he is prepared to give. He does not necessarily want to have this kind of um, loving relationship with this girl to the point in which he he um, blurts out and throws something. I don't, I can't, he doesn't throw it at her, does he? he no. Like a, a, no, he throws it at the wall and it's this kind of violent outburst in which he says, you don't want to be with someone like me. You know, I'm a washed up loser. Why don't you get that through your head? And it's real yelling. You don't usually get to see grownups yell at kids anymore. You know, it's kind yeah. of like you don't see kids placed in those kinds of situations anymore. And it kind of just kind of punches you right in the gut. Um, they only do a little melodramatic thing in which they show when she's walking off, she's crying. But she's crying, they, yeah. But they cut to Mathau, who's drinking in the dugout, and he's crying too. So that's a little, it was a little melodramatic cap to that to that scene. But I, when I was watching it, it was like, oh, I forgot that there are scenes like that in this film. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. Like, it, it seems like movies nowadays, um, especially movies that are sort of pitched at a younger audience, uh, it's like they're afraid to have moments where the audience might actually feel something. Mm-hmm. 
other than like, you know, oh, that was funny or, you know, something like that. Like a really deep feeling of like of uncomfortableness or, or sadness or something. It's like, you know, mainstream family movies just don't go there very much anymore. Well, they uh, kind of go with this kind of like we've got to empower the kids. You yeah. Know, in, in movies that are pitched to children now, it's kind of like, oh, we're going to make it so that they get back at the at the, the bad grown ups. That doesn't happen in this film. There's a, there's another scene which with uh, the Jackie Earl Hale, uh, Jackie, I'm messing up his name, Jackie Earl Haley character, who's this kind of punk, and he's sitting in the he's sitting in the bleachers watching the game, and the evil coach from the Yankees <laughs> uh, comes up and just tells him, "You got to get out of here. You got to leave." And Jackie Earl, Earl Haley, who looks twelve, in fact, he looks kind of like a twelve year old girl in this, but he looks <laughs> twelve, and up until that point, you're thinking, "Oh, he's a badass. He rides a motorcycle. He, you know, he smokes." Um, but when he stands up for the confrontation for the adult, it's almost as if that character realizes that, oh crap, I am just a kid. Yeah. I don't really have any power here, ultimately. You know, I, and he takes off on his motorcycle because he, he, he kind of realizes that he has no way of striking back at this guy. Um, unless, of course, he joins the, the Bears, which he kind of does. In a weird way, he kind of <laughs> joins the Bears to get back at this guy. But, um, you know, in a movie made today, they would have, you know, oh, we're going to prank him by filling his car with bubbles. And it would have been yeah. some kind of horrible montage of them, you know, getting back at the, at the adults. And I think that's kind of damaging to kids in a weird way because it doesn't show them in reality, you know, the reality of the situation. Um, I'm kind of glad that they cast someone who does look as young as Jackie Earl Haley did as the, the tough badass dude. Um simply because it also highlights that character's insecurities because yeah. there's a couple of times where he's he's hitting he goes to the ballet class to pick up Amanda and he's hitting on a woman that's like 23 years old <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does that there's a he does that in the arcade i think too yeah he does uh, he, 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 does. he he goes over to a much older girl like playing a, a pinball machine behind him and it's like he's you know looking her up and down like damn mm-hmm. kid <laughs> And they and you know what they give his character room to show that he has insecurities and he wants mm-hmm. there's a, there's a part of him that kind of wants acceptance and wants friendship and, and that's highlighted uh, in Buttermaker's drive to get them to win. Um, he tells him to catch every ball that comes anywhere near him and so he's kind of stealing fly ball outs from his other teammates and they resent it. Yeah. And then they show after the game and all the kids are leaving and he's just like, hey, you want to go for a ride on my motorcycle? Hey, you want to go hang out? And people are just walking out and it kind of highlights. It, it served two purposes. Number one, it served. Uh, it showed that Buttermaker obviously did not care how this would affect him. Right. You know. But it also highlights that this kid, who's known for being kind of a you know this rebel badass uh, criminal element, has grown to appreciate having friends and having a social a social gathering. And they do it without it's without saying it out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no one actually telling us. You know, there's no monologue that says, "Well, you." really did you know you've come a long way boy you know it's not there's no there's no dumbing down of the scenes that's Um, one of the things that i really liked about the movie is that because in so many other movies even in like relatively good movies there's really obvious theming where there will be one character who will just tell you what the movie is about or will tell you what the big emotional moment was about. They'll just have yeah. a line of dialogue where they'll just say, you know, when I was younger, I used to think this way. But now, after what happened today, and it's like, oh, shit, okay, so that's what this is about. Uh, but in, in Bad News Bears, yeah, there, there are multiple moments of realization or revelation or, or change and growth 
that are just it's it's the classic example of showing and not telling. Like mm-hmm. this is a movie that does it right. It, There's it, never a speech. No, he doesn't give a speech at some point when he realizes what he's done. He just. He makes a decision internally without saying anything out loud. And when he's pulling, when he's pulling uh, the kids who have been benched almost the entire season and have never played, and he has this realization that he's been a bastard. Yeah. He never says out loud, "I've been a bastard." There's no one. <laughs> there's no one standing there acting as his conscious or an external voice calling him a bastard. No, you can just tell by his actions. And by his that facial expression, happened, that he's, yeah. oh, he's made a realization. And then he goes in and he does stuff. He says, you guys are going to go play and I'm going to bench the other kids. And the kids are like, what? We're almost close to winning. He's just, just, you came here to play, didn't you? And get out there and play. Yeah. The, the closest they come to having like an obvious statement of that is when uh, the lawyer who sued the league to have the Bears you know, incorporated in the first place comes yeah. comes to him behind the dugout, and he's like, "Look, uh, what are you doing? Do we really need to put these kids in? I mean, we could actually yeah, win this." He's thing. embarrassed over the, t- the 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 losses, and he's yeah. like, "Okay, I I was trying to prove a point, but you know, this is embarrassing to the kids." Just right. Well, no and, and then he approaches him during the game, and he's like, "You know, don't put the losers in. We could still win." And Mathau mm-hmm. says, "Well, the whole reason you wanted this team in this league was so these kids would have a chance to play, right? So I'm letting them play, and yeah. that's as close." as the movie comes to having an an outward an outward declaration of oh buttermaker has had a change of heart you know right. uh, everything else is just they were trusted to be able to pick up on it ourselves because of what is happening because of the skill of, of Walter Matthau as an actor and it, it really is refreshing to see that sort of subtlety and in a weird way and this is going to be a completely out of left field comparison but it <laughs> it it reminded me of the 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 subtle change that the the lead character uh from the film the lives of others has um <laughs> wow, which is such <laughs> which is such a different movie that movie takes place yeah. in a whole different universe it's like uh-huh. su- it's an incredibly serious movie but it's the same sort of thing where the lead character starts out one way and by the end of the film he has had a, a dramatic change of heart and change of yeah. opinion and change of you know perspective and everything and there is never a moment where you see the switch flip and he changes you just right. realize that he has changed and the, the the buttermaker character in bad news bears in a way even though it's it's not quite as dramatic a change as that and it's a much <laughs> different film you it's the same sort of technique where it's like okay we know that he starts out at point a at the beginning of the movie where he doesn't care about anything and he's just doing it for the money and he's more worried about being able to fit his pool cleaning into the baseball schedule than yeah. the games themselves and he's pouring whiskey into cans of beer mm-hmm. and then and then at the end of the movie he's had this realization where he's thinking oh my god i'm I've, i came this close to ruining this for these kids yeah exactly. you know and he actually cares about that and he actually wants to do right by them and to give them a good memory and give them a, a good give them a chance to have fun and have a meaningful experience and there's never a moment where you see that switch flip where he goes from this guy to that guy it's right. really wonderful subtlety you know some people would want to call it subtle but i would just call it competent filmmaking you yeah. know what i mean it's it's you know uh, we keep using the word subtle but i don't think it's subtle i think that that is the way films should be made and we've yeah. kind of accepted in current filmmaking that you know things have to be circled and underlined and pointed to and and reinforced in ridiculous ways and, and if not yeah. stated out loud by characters 
what motivations are and uh, what people are feeling and you know um yeah. and it, it's really sloppy screenwriting and it's really sloppy filmmaking if you feel that you need if you're if you have actors that cannot um show an internal change in philosophy and feeling or or all that other stuff or if you don't have confidence that an audience will be able to pick it up you start using these tired things and um, you know, it sounds like, oh, there's Jason bagging on current films again. And it's like, I'm not saying that this is a rule <laughs> across the board. I'm just saying that for this film, it's not going to treat you like you're dumb. And, oh, yeah, it's not going yeah. to care if you get offended. That's the yeah. other thing. Um, it does not. There are a lot for this day and age. There is a ton of fairly offensive things in the film that I'm sure will upset people. Um, at one point, Butter yeah. Buttermaker has the entire team in his convertible, none of them wearing seatbelts. He's <laughs> drinking. He has an open container in the car, in a car with a broken windshield. <laughs> <laughs> he has another kid make him a martini while they're cleaning the pool. The pool, yeah. Well, and you know, there are other there are other things I noticed too that are less. They're, they're less offensive than those sorts of things or mm -hmm. than like Tanner's language and attitudes. But, you know, I, I was so interested in the attitude that the movie had toward the bears cheating a few times. Like there's, yeah. there's a scene where, uh, the, uh, the Tatum O'Neill character is, you is throwing mm -hmm. a, she's, she's throwing a grease ball. She has yeah. like, she has, she uh, Vaseline. Vaseline. And, and everybody on the Bears knows about it. Like, the coach has presumably told her to do it. And it is completely unjudged. Like, there's not, you know, well, gee, mm -hmm. coach, isn't it's that wrong? Just, isn't that against the rules? Like, there, there's not a hint. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a thing that they do. And I thought that was so interesting that the movie, because maybe a more modern movie today with more that has been more focus grouped or whatever would, would either leave that bit out or would use that as an opportunity to give a lesson. You know, well, yeah. you shouldn't cheat kids. You know, you can, it's, if, it'll feel better if you win, if you do it by the book, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, if anything, uh, it, it tells you the opposite lesson that the Bears, even though they are cheating every once in a while, that they are more noble than the Yankees because the when when the uh, the player spikes her sliding into home the coach's protest is oh it was by the book it was within the rules we no, play by the book and <laughs> so he he teaches his players to quote unquote play by the rules but mm -hmm. but but to push it to be as as brutal and as hard hitting as possible yeah you know and we're and of course we're not meant to buy that as an excuse for a second no but cheating's valid that's what i picked up from it you heard yeah. it here first kids uh, Cheat. You, well it's <laughs> Yeah, if you're as as one of my heroes used to say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Well, I think one of the things about the film is that they don't treat the kids as precious. Yeah, you know what I mean. They don't treat them. They have the respect of the kids to understand that there are certain things that the kids need to get out of this game, and there are certain ways that that the Mathow character disrespects, you know, their desire to play and their desire to feel useful. Um, but it doesn't treat them too precious for I mean, after they lose the game. The very first thing that Walter Matthau does when he steps into the into the uh, um, dugout is he starts tossing a beer to every single kid. Yep. That would never happen in a movie now. In fact, in the remake, I believe he throws out uh, throws around non-alcoholic beer because that's how you want to tame something like that. Because you just oh we can't <laughs> the focus groups would go insane if the the kids uh, drank yeah. beer. It'd be insane. And it's like no fuck it. You know what? Screw that. 
you know what? He he throws every single one of them a beer and tells them to celebrate. Yeah. He knew exactly how to perk up those kids, and that was <laughs> give them all a beer and tell them you did a great you did a great job. Well, and, and who I mean, cares if we lost? And let's be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people who will hear this who who haven't had that experience. But I had my first beer way before I was 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I had I I had a glass of wine when I was like 12 or 13 that my parents yeah. gave me. I mean, it's not it's fr- I understand why it's frowned upon, and I can understand why people would be upset by it. And it does feel kind of shocking when you watch the movie to think, "Holy shit, is he giving them beer?" <laughs> but it's not like the sort of I mean, it's it's the sort of experience that it's just for most of us growing up, it was kind of an illicit experience. It was something you weren't supposed to do, yeah. but but it's not that unusual in terms of no. just the experiences that people have had. No, it's not. So, I mean, uh, let's talk about uh, only the couple of negatives that I found in this film. Um, it's a little sloppy in its filming. And I'm only saying that because there are a couple of shots where I definitely saw the camera. <laughs> And where the lighting um, was a little off and you can see that the uh, lights had jiggled and moved, which kind of yeah. uh, momentarily takes you out of the out of out of the uh, the moment when you when you see stuff like that. But um, then again, this movie was made for almost next to nothing in in Southern California. It wasn't like they were shipping them off to some exotic location or filmed on green screen or any yeah. of the other bullshit that they do now. Um, so, you know, it was kind of thrown someone out of script. They, they got the cast together and they said, OK, we're going to film on this lot in the San Fernando Valley and we're just going to make this make this film. And uh, but that is the only thing, it, you know, it's not one of these great cinematic sweeping. Oh, the way he captured the light on the morning <laughs> of the game and and, you know, stuff like that. You, that stuff's not important to the overall story. And in fact, I think it helped um, to a certain extent because and this is something that I want to bring up uh, now is that in the 1970s, a lot of movies in the 1970s, they really presented middle class life as it actually was. You know, it was not glamorous. You know, it was uh, a lot of strip malls, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of poor taste in, in clothes. Kids are dirty. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it was it's it's very straightforward. You can see that a lot in in like say Steven Spielberg's first films, where mm-hmm. he presents American life relatively realistically, and that's how I remember the '70s as being. At some point between then and now, we have once again sanitized uh, middle class life to a point which is kind of unrecognizable on screen. Where you know, I in fact I'm trying to desperately think of a film that has truly middle class characters in the film in living a regular life. I think Hollywood idea of middle class is oh yeah they have a big house and they you know and it's two stories and everything's <laughs> clean and wonderful and it's like no that's not no that's not how it looks anymore and and that it, it kind of grounds you know grounds the film in 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 a reality that's more accessible um i don't know how accessible it is to anyone who was not alive in the 70s and has no memory of it i know that this is a lot of it is based on nostalgia and ignoring the fact that I was actually on my little league team was the Golden Gophers and our team jerseys were yellow and we were the worst team <laughs> in the league. But Well, there goes um, your credibility as a film critic. <laughs> uh, so maybe I identify with this film a little bit too much. But um, So uh, what's your final thoughts on uh, the Bad News Bears, Steve? Man, I, I I really like this movie, and you know I'm I'm, I'm going to put my I'm going to put my film critic hat on for, for a moment here because clearly I haven't had it on this whole time. Is it uh, is it a, a pith helmet that says yeah. film critic in light up letters? Yeah, paint it? the 
paint the picture for the listeners because they can't see this. But yeah, it's it's a pith helmet um, with two thumbs up, one thumb with, up on on Dealey Bob's on the yeah. top, and one thumb down <laughs> yes, on the other. Exactly. Um, the 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 message of the movie, I think, and the strength of the movie is, I think, the same sort of lesson that the Bears learn in the movie when they when they start to pick up steam in the league and they start to win some games. Which is, it's not important that everything is great. It's not important that everything is perfect. All you need is one or two good players and <laughs> and a good grasp and execution of the fundamentals. And that, to me, is what this movie has. It has a strong cast with some real, with one or two like real standout performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I would like to interject. There are a couple of times where I didn't believe a word that was coming out of Tatum O'Neill's mouth. <laughs> I, hey, man, I'm not she was an she was Oscar a bad winner by this point. Okay, I understand that, but there were a couple of times where it really felt like I'm saying dialogue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. By the way, this is our second consecutive review. This is our second consecutive review of a film starring a member of the O'Neill acting dynasty. So I just want to put that out there. Oh, maybe we'll change it to the O'Neill cast. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the the movie... We'll do Dead Men Don't Dance next. How's that? (laughs) Oh, we have to do that. No, I don't know. That was... I'm going to edit this out so I never brought it up. That was a joke. That was a cruel joke. Okay, go, keep going uh, with it. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. But the movie, it, it, the other the other cast members uh, are all strong. They all do a good job. They're even if they aren't necessarily like standing out as as Oscar nominees or anything like that. But the movie, both in terms of the performances and in terms of the writing, especially, uh, it just it gets the basics right. It gets right what you should get right when telling a story. It's not it's not tr- the sort of movie you would you might traditionally think of as like a masterpiece or a film school type of movie. Right. But but there's so much that it does that it gets right, and that's why the movie succeeds. That that to me is the lesson of the movie is that if you have a few star players and the rest of the production is solid, that's really all you need. And that's that's yep. that to me is the bad news bears. That's why it's such a good movie, and I think it is a really really good movie. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm going to recommend this film to anybody. I, I don't care if they weren't alive in the 70s. I don't care if they've never played baseball. I don't care if they've never played Little League. I don't care if they even like baseball or hate baseball. Uh, baseball is secondary to this film um, yeah. in a weird way, even though it is the central theme running throughout. It is it is more about... Um, it, it, it's literally... It's kind of like a character drama you know, in, a, in a strange way. It's about people and about uh, this specific thing about competitiveness and what it can how competitiveness can be positive and how it can be negative in 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 a strange way and um you know watching this film even i as a parent i was kind of like would i show this to my kids and i'm like yeah i'm gonna show this to my kids even though there are kids on there that are emulating behaviors that i don't necessarily approve of (laughs) Um, I'm not going to ignore the fact that those kids acted like kids that I knew, you know, that, that I played played games against kids that were like that. I was in on teams with kids that were like that. And I'm not even quite sure if I wasn't a kid like that when I was when I was their age. Um, and I would rather have my kids see this movie with these kids in it than any of the stuff that is aimed towards their age demographic now. Um, simply because there's more meat here for them to to grab onto. There's more of a there's 
you know, just from a straight storytelling perspective, there's more here for them to think about and root for than in a lot of these movies where the kids, where the where where the kids are obviously have the upper hand at the beginning of the film. There may be a little tiny tribulation in the middle of the film, but eventually they get the upper hand again at the end of the film. That's that's not a story arc. That is not a <laughs> that is not a competent story arc. It's like he's a winner. Oh, he's had a minor setback. Oh, he's a winner again. The end. That is not interesting. <laughs> You know, this this film involves growth of these characters. It shows that the kids, uh, you know, who you initially might write off as being uh, quiet losers or, uh, uh, oh, I guess, well, the oh, not Ogilvy. Uh, who? What was the larger kid's name? Um, oh, Engelbert was it? Engelbert. 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 Yeah. Which they also pair with. Food wasn't his only obsession. He was also offensive. <laughs> <laughs> He, he usually had wisecracks, and he liked flipping people off. <laughs> he was a three-dimensional um, character. Yeah, he, they were all three-dimensional, well-rounded characters. Now, they didn't have time to do all, I think, 12 players on the team. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the two Mexican immigrant kids who we failed to mention, who are on the team and spoke no English, <laughs> almost got no time at all, except for one great scene at the end where one of yeah. them is so small that he has no strike zone. And no one can pitch to him. And, I, and I, when I saw that scene, I was like, well, how come Buttermaker didn't figure that out early on? He could have gotten him on base every time. <laughs> um, but I would hold, I would heartily recommend this film, not just to kids, but to adults as well. You know, it, it is, it is ref- as old as this film is, and as weird as it is to say it, it is refreshing to see a film that is this kind of blunt and is still a comedy and is still genuinely funny. Yeah. Um, and not funny as in but um bump jokes. Not funny as in someone farted or not funny like <laughs> oh no he slipped in the mayonnaise and he's late for his you know oh he's accidentally made an embarrassing speech in front of people you know the, the stuff that passes for comedy now this yeah. is comedy based on the characters themselves and placing them in situations that could be humorous and I also appreciate so for someone who, who loves comedy writes comedy and supports comedy I want to see this kind of comedy come back I need more character comedy that does not involve um, a guy showing his dick or, <laughs> or or a woman talking about her period or you know the, the gross out humor that seems to be predominating a lot of these things now where they, they, they're saying oh this is the adult, adult comedy bullshit um, so yeah I wholly recommend it and moving on from there let's move on to recommendations Steve do you have a movie you want to recommend uh, yes I do Jason oh my um, god it's like I asked you to have one before and now you're doing it what oh my god um, I, it's tempting to recommend one of those fairy tale baseball movies, uh, that we oh, about yeah. but I decided to go in a different direction. I decided to, to recommend another baseball movie that kind of has a similar attitude toward the sport as bad news bears does and, and has similar themes, uh, and had just a similar feel to it, uh, but is a very different movie as well. I'm, I'm recommending a league of their own. Oh, um, okay. Which is, for those of you who don't remember it, uh, it came out in 1992, I believe, directed by Penny Marshall, starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, back when we, we all had the, the, we were all under the quaint delusion that Rosie O'Donnell might actually have a film career. Uh, in, that, <laughs> in that tiny little window. Um, Madonna, don't Madonna, yeah, Madonna, and uh, just uh, actually a really strong, Lori Petty, um, a really strong supporting cast of really great uh, uh, woman 
comic actors, uh, mm-hmm. and it's about the um, the all the all women baseball league that uh, sort of barnstormed the country during World War II because so many of the uh, the male ball players were off fighting the war. The major leagues actually suspended play for a few years, and these yeah. the the all uh, the the all American girls league kind of was 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 sort of conjured out of thin air and uh, filled a lot of that hole. Uh, for professional baseball, and so it's yeah. based on a true story. It's not. It's not a docudrama. Uh, it's not. It shouldn't be viewed as necessarily a source of history. But it's a really fun movie. There's some great. You know, it's sort of the beginning, in a way, of Tom Hanks's late career emergence as a serious actor. Even though it's not a serious movie, because yeah. he he was nominated for for uh, best supporting actor for it, and then right after that came Philadelphia and Forrest Gump and Apollo 13 and all of the movies that sort of made Tom Hanks a serious actor. Uh, yeah. So it was sort of a comeback film for him. And I would argue Big was his big thing. Big, yeah, Big, Big was, but Big was a few also years. Also, a Penny Marshall film. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, it has the the famous line: "There's no crying in baseball." Yeah, uh, and it's just it's 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 a solid movie. It's a solid movie. So that's which my... is a lie because I cry every time I watch baseball. <laughs> <laughs> just out of the sheer beauty of it, I cry like uh, <laughs> I cry like Wes Bentley watching that fucking plastic bag in American Beauty every time I watch a baseball game. <laughs> It's just so beautiful. Anyway, that's my recommendation. The League of Their Own. Oh, man. Well, guess what? I didn't do my homework at all for this. <laughs> I just kept watching the Bad News Bears over and over again, and then Daredevil came on, and I didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so you're recommending Daredevil. That's a little weird, a little out of left no, field. No, you but... know what? I'm going to go the opposite way, and I am going to recommend a Tree Cleave film, because for whatever reason, this is a film that I continue to watch to this day, and I don't care that a small cottage industry is formed around it, and I don't care how melodramatic and sappy it is, and I don't care about all the flag-waving and the America stuff. I'm going to recommend Field of Dreams, goddammit! <laughs> And if you haven't watched Field of Dreams, watch it. It's not just about baseball. It's about ghosts <laughs> and um, magic stuff. It's kind. You know what? It's, it kind of is like a really long Twilight Zone episode, and not one of the scary Twilight Zone episodes. One of the ones that uh, you know where Rod Serling is, I guess, in a good mood, and you know maybe he's on Percodan or something, and he wants to write something. <laughs> Something upbeat and happy while he chain smokes. Um, and if you don't know what Field of Dreams is and have never heard of it, welcome to America. What was it like in your home country? <laughs> there are a lot of people who really don't like Field of Dreams because of those things, but um, I have always felt that Field of Dreams is just different enough with interesting characters and a, 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 a good performance from Kevin Costner. You know, mm-hmm. he can sometimes turn in bad performances and all that other stuff. Um, but definitely go for uh, a James Earl Jones and go for Burt Lancaster. Uh, oh, yeah. Coincidentally, Burt Lancaster, the father of the dude that wrote The Bad News Bears. How about that? Yeah. It no. all comes together. Nepotism. It works, people. <laughs> <laughs> Where would we be without it? Um, anyway, brief synopsis, the Bad News Bears, not the Bad News Bears, the, the Field of Dreams thing is about a guy who hallucinates and builds a... <laughs> A baseball field, and then ghosts come and play on it, and he nearly goes bankrupt, and um, yeah, stuff like that there. Wow, I won't do spoilers or nothing, uh, but it's about <laughs> He builds it, and they do and, come. And there are a couple of times where, no matter how many times I've watched the damn movie, I still choke up a little bit when I watch it, and I'm embarrassed, but f- screw it. This is about openness. Why not? <laughs> you guys won't trust any of my reviews if I pretend to hate the Field of Dreams. <laughs> 
<laughs> and why not throw the natural in there too? Uh, you know what, man? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? Because I feel exactly the same way. I love Field of Dreams, and I know that it is shamelessly sentimental. It's baseball it, porn, dude. It's it is baseball like one porn. Of the- if your wife walked in, you turn it off as soon as she. Yeah. Oh shit! You would you would turn from Field of Dreams to porn. That would be the. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, if if anyone listening to this is not a baseball fan, and you know someone who is like a diehard romantic baseball fan, and you just mm-hmm. don't get it, watch Field of Dreams because Field of Dreams like is a perfect emotional representation of how people like Jason and I feel about baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's a metaphor for how we. View you the game and how we love it and why we feel so you know romantic and warm about it it's 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 like a window into the soul of a fanatic diehard baseball fan oh yeah and ray Le- ray leota is good in it too and he doesn't threaten to beat anybody up or laugh hysterically <laughs> he doesn't laugh like a maniac <laughs> Oh wait, I take that back. He did a little bit. He yeah, does, he does. In, one, in one seed where they where they deny access to heaven to a baseball player who, quite frankly, doesn't deserve to play on that field. I'm, I'm wow. I'm going deep in now. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to degenerate into us talking about baseball, and that should not happen on a movie podcast. <laughs> Okay, so that's it. Um, if you guys have a baseball movie that you want us to review, why not leave it down in the comment section? Or maybe put down who your favorite team is. Mine is the Giants. My favorite minor league team, the Seals. That's right. <laughs> the team that doesn't exist anymore. That fills that. I. It really pains me that we don't have a minor league team. Yeah, there's really minor league baseball is so cool. There's if if people don't if you're a baseball fan and you don't pay attention to minor league ball, you're kind of really missing out. It's really it's like you its own what? thing. That thing I just wa- warned everyone about that we're going to break down into talking about baseball. It's happening again. <laughs> Stop listening now! If you guys have any movie that you think we'd like to review, and remember, um, the only uh, we only ask that you don't ask us to review current films, because um, we just love not getting any response to the video, <laughs> to the podcast at all. Um, but that's kind of the thing we're doing. The show's called Late Seating, and in this case, it's almost 40 years late. But... Um, you know, we wanna we want to be able to dig out older films that maybe people have heard about but have never seen, or that maybe people have never heard of at all, but probably should. Or avoid at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind, you know, leave a comment, give us a suggestion for a movie you think yeah. would be good. But also, I mean, what's gonna happen is one of us will come up with an idea for something we really want to do and we'll just do that one instead. Yeah, or we'll just do whatever we want yeah, and we'll, ignore everybody. Yeah. I don't know. But if it, if it makes you feel like you're participating, please leave a comment. If you leave a comment, we I will respond, I promise. Go to SoundCloud, <laughs> where there's a comment section on SoundCloud where this podcast appears, and leave a comment. And uh, like us. And uh, go to iTunes and leave a review. Um, and there's a bunch of other commands that I'm going to make you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know how the whole podcast thing works. Just go do go the Go find thing. us. Go get us a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that sweet nature box money. That's what we <laughs> I want to pretend like I like what they give us. <laughs> Don't show them this episode, though, because we just... I want to pretend that Squarespace is easy to use. <laughs> yes. 
I take all those supplements from Onnit.com. <laughs> I haven't awesome. even heard that one yet. Yeah. Oh, do they do they find out what you need and they mail it to you or something? Something on like a monthly that. basis. It's, they, oh. it's, it's magic pills that make your brain better. Or some <laughs> some horseshit. Yeah, like that. I, don't know. I want I want to do advertisements for Harry's Shave Club. I know oh. Steve will never use it, but I will. <laughs> I want to be a hypocritical spokesperson for. I want I want to do advertising for. Hey, fuck you, handkerchiefs. They send you handkerchiefs every month. <laughs> Just go to www.heyfuckyouhandkerchiefs.com Because there's nothing like carrying around your own snot in your pocket. Let's end this before we go on another tangent. Until next time, this has been Jason Harding. And this has been Steve. And I do have a snot rag in my pocket at this very moment. So gross. Go see a movie this week. (laughs) Bye, everybody.